Hey, you guys, how you doing? Welcome to the Daily Gouge. I'm Mike Little, your host, the chairman of Sea Service Family Foundation, here today with our board member, Paul Kingsbury. And we're going to wait for a few people to hop online to make sure that we have a good, um, good sound check with everybody. And then today we're going to do something that we've been talking about for a long time. We are going to actually launch the podcast. Awesome. Can you believe that? So, uh, guys, if you can see me and hear me, go ahead and uh, give me a thumbs up on the screen so that uh, we can uh, we can know that we're running live here. So, waiting for the audience. This is the fun part. Can you wait for the audience? I always see you doing this. Cracks right. me and up. And then we'll like uh, we'll edit these guys out once we once we get into the Apple session there. So. If you can hear us, uh, give us a thumbs up. So we're just waiting on that. They might be all eating dinner right now. I know, right? Like no one wants to listen to us at like 8 o'clock at night. We went all out. Like we got a full-on studio here. It's kind of neat. We just kind of took over your house, didn't we? That's all right, though. I'm learning <laughs> this myself. <laughs> no one's uh, – it looks like we have people live, but no one's really liking the stuff. Are you guys there? Can anybody hear us? If you can't, if you can hear us, give us a thumbs up. Hey, there's a thumbs up. So all right, we're good to go. Hey, all right. So, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm Mike Little. As you all know, I'm the chairman of the Sea uh, Service Family Foundation. This is Paul Kingsbury, retired fleet master chief from the United States Navy. Uh, currently uh, t does so much stuff that I don't even know how to introduce you. What do you do, Paul? Uh, so after I retired from the Navy last year, late last year, uh, I now work for the U.S. Naval Institute. So two lines of effort I'm working. So one is I'm the co-director of outreach. So and I'll talk a little bit about that. And the other one is working as what we call an acquisitions editor under the Naval Institute Press. Nice. And so you're an author. You've also you're authoring some books. Yes. Yeah, so uh, you know a couple of years ago, Naval Institute approached me um, to update and rewrite the Chief Petty Officer's Guide. Um, for those not familiar, the Naval Institute Press, you know, was established in about 1898, uh, produces a lot of professional books and academic titles that help uh, advance naval professionals uh, in understanding of the sea services. And uh, one of the first guidebooks or manuals they did was the Blue Jackets manual, right, way back in 1902. So that kind of started this legacy of professional development or professional guide, what we were called leadership development books these days. Um, so we had one in 2004 that was published that was the uh, – Chief Petty Officer's Guide by, you know, one of the co-authors was then McPond John Hagen, uh, and the primary author was uh, Leahy, um, and that had not been updated in a while. And as you know, content kind of needs to be refreshed and kept updated. So uh, the Naval Institute, you know, as I was writing more and getting published, I was on their editorial board. Uh, they knew I was a great fan and advocate of the Naval Institute, so they approached me to update and write the Chief Petty Officer's Guide. So took about a year wrote that and the second edition is now out it's been out for almost about a year now actually a little over a year now and uh we just uh, the manuscript now for the petty officers guide on the navy side is now in the copy editing so that should come out in the spring of 2020 next year so i'm excited about that and then i'm working with a coast guard co-author chief petty officer phil knoll he works down at yorktown uh, boats and mate type, and uh, we're creating the Coast Guard version of the Petty Officer and Chief Petty Officer's Guides, and those are targeted to come out in the fall of next year. So Phil's actually on live, so he's watching. Awesome. He hey, Phil, what's going here. on? Good to see you. So, um, so that's really good stuff. You know, uh, it, I, I really appreciate you today because I came down to the Naval Institute and uh, got a tour, and I actually got to meet Tom Cutler, who wrote the uh, – or, or who's advi or, uh, editing the uh, Blue Jackets manual, and uh, – 
I was kind of starstruck. It was uh, kind of like being in a celebrity's office. And yeah, uh, so that was a cool opportunity yeah. to link you up. And uh, we're on the 25th edition of the Blue Jackets manual. And you know those are collector's uh, items. Those are highly sought after, especially the older versions. Yeah. And I showed you today, we've got some of those old, older version versions. Yes, <laughs> laying around, not <laughs> laying around, but carefully preserved at the Naval Institute. Yeah. Um, actually, Tom Cutler did an article recently about the Blue Jackets manual, Naval History ma Magazine, yes. you know, and you read that a little bit, um, but that's got a cool history. So for him to get you and, you know, be able to sign your Blue Jackets he manual. Did. Did. And then we got you dialed up with the author, um, Jim Dolbo, who is a fellow co-editor or a co-acquisition editor at the Naval Institute. He was able to sign your wife's Coast Guardsman's manual. So eventually uh, we'll get you a signed Petty Officer's Guide, um, but very exciting work. So that's I one thing I do that. is on the press side is, you know, it's uh, – it's not just going out and getting books, but it's finding young, relevant authors who can write content aligned to what each service needs, right? right? And right. which is aligned to, for on the Navy side, I'm very, uh, very concerned or, you know, very focused on making sure those books are, right. they align to the strategy. Um, so everywhere along the continuum, uh, the development continuum, you know, I can align a guide. So we've got right. Blue Jackets manual that introduces you to the Navy. Yep. You make petty officer, you'll have this petty officer guide, which will introduce you to small team leadership yep. and management. And then the chief petty officer guide eventually becomes, hey, welcome, welcome to organizational management. Yep. And if that wasn't enough work, we <laughs> convinced you to join the board of directors this year for Sea Service Family Foundation. And so now you're on and you're kind of helping advise us and the direction we need to go as we're advocating for our sailors and our service members. So, guys, I want to talk a little bit about what we're doing tonight. So this is a little bit uh, different than what we've done in the past. Normally we come on and we want to give you an update on what's going on with potential government shutdown, potential issues that are happening in Congress that are going to affect you and your life. But tonight's not about that. Tonight's about this podcast that we're starting. If you, if you get an opportunity and you go to Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, you can actually search for The Daily Gouge, and it is there. We have been approved to, uh, to publish this thing. And so now it's a matter of us generating some content so that we can kind of tell what it's about, what we're doing, and we can get start getting into the nuts and bolts of like really what is affecting our our sailors and our service members, and our spouses and our veterans that are out there. And so we started Sea Service Family Foundation a couple years ago uh, because uh, uh, Admiral Gary Hall, who was my former boss at the Association of the United States Navy, Captain Brett Corey and I, we just felt like there needed to be an arm that kind of looked at and and examine the nonprofits that were out there that were competing for for you to join as a member, and it was very, um, it was just a lot. There was so many organizations. We got to looking at it. We found over three thousand Navy organizations that people could join. There was like thirty thousand veteran organizations across the nation. I believe the number has even been in the seventy thousand range when you start looking at the Army, the Air Force, and the Marine Corps. The Coast Guard, you know, they've got all of theirs. And so where does one go to just get all the information that they need so they know that an organization is actually on the straight and narrow to take care of what it is that, uh, that you're expecting them to do for you? And so what we want to do in this podcast is we want to highlight those organizations. We want to uh, take the opportunity to talk about legislative issues that are happening. Um, we want to help educate our members and our viewers uh, how to be better advocates for themselves throughout the Navy, throughout the Coast Guard, uh, 
potentially even in the Marine Corps. We don't have any specialists in the Marines right now. But, you know, remember, we started Sea Service Family Foundation because my wife and I are both in the Sea Services. We're in the Navy and the Marine Corps. Um, Coast Guard, right? I'm, did I say the Marine Corps? Yes. <laughs> the Navy and the Coast Guard. Um, I, I think about the Marines a lot lately. You know, they're just uh, they're doing a whole lot. They're uh, they're in the middle of uh, some some of our really heavy issues that are happening in the nation. And uh, my heart goes out to them. And I think about them a lot. You know, they just you know, a lot of changes going on over there. So someone needs to be advocating for those guys. And maybe we can pick that up here Absolutely. soon, too. So um, but we want to do that. We want to help educate you. You know, you guys were so pivotal in helping us be successful in the uh, government shutdown for the Coast Guard. And we never want to see a branch of service go through that again. And so how do we uh, prevent it? Well, the best way to prevent anything is to be proactive. So if we're proactive and we're following issues as they happen in real time and we educate you how to be a part of these, um, these, these issues, we can actually train you. So whenever it's time to jump into, you know, the heavy, the heavy water and just say, government shutdowns on the way we know exactly how to activate and that's and that's really important that someone does that we want to highlight these organizations that are out there so for podcast number one we're going to highlight the naval institute we're going to highlight what it is they do for us we're going to highlight uh, some of the different aspects that the the naval institute brings uh, to the life of a sailor and so that's why i brought paul on we were going to talk a little bit about what he's doing and and how he's doing it um and then you know, we'll just kind of wrap it up. We'll do some Q&A. Uh, you know, the one thing we want to do about this podcast is we want to keep it organic, right? So when you listen to it on Apple, you're not going to get that opportunity to an ask questions and get the answers right away. But towards the end, we'll go to the phone, we'll grab it, and uh, we'll, we'll take the viewer's questions and we'll answer them in real time. Again, if you have questions you want to ask, start populating them on the Facebook page and we'll, we'll get to them at the end of the show. And then if you think of questions that you want to ask uh, for the next 24 hours, put them on the on the comment section and then I'll, I'll bring them up in the next podcast section. So so, Paul, let's talk about uh, nonprofits. Let's talk about the importance of nonprofits. Let's talk about what it is that they really bring to the table. So what is your first thoughts? You know, as you, know, you were you were in the Navy for how long? 31 years. And how and how many how many opportunities did you get to interact with different nonprofits during that time? Uh, so probably, you know, I would say uh, not fairly often, right? I knew of many of them. Um, I knew where that they were out there, but they were things that I was going to deal with after retirement, right? So you hear of, and th these aren't all nonprofits. I would I would call them organizations, associations that are in some way advocating for naval readiness, right? So things I was involved with probably once I got to the command mass chief level. Um, particularly the region mass chief level when I really started to um, see value in these partnerships with things like Navy leagues and United Service organizations um, that that was kind of into my mid 20 year point right um, so I started understanding but really from the perspective of um, the receiver of advocacy and the receiver of benefits right so um, understanding resources that these organizations were providing uh, and how I could uh, pass those, uh, you know, either information, resources, or benefits on to the sailors that were under my area of influence. Um, I knew of Fleet Reserve Associations. I didn't know of the Naval Institute until about when I got to the Naval Safety Center. So we're talking about 2013. Um, and that's when I was, you know, just uh, there was a Marine Corps colonel there, Colonel Glenn Butler. He was the deputy. 
Uh, he was a prolific writer. He had been published in proceedings, and we would talk frequently. And he finally, over one day of a conversation, said, hey, have you ever thought of putting these thoughts into writing or getting published in either Marine Corps Gazette or Proceedings Magazine? And I was like, what's Proceedings Magazine, right? So he introduced me to this world of writing and be able to use writing to help influence broader policy and process. Um, I was an active citizen, right? So I see part of this is citizenship. Um, but one thing I was starting to notice later in my career um, was, man, there's a lot of these organizations out there, right? And I started, you know, from a value proposition, you know, asking myself, okay, what makes FRA different from AUSN, from different from this, different from that? And how many people are in these advocacy, advocacy spaces? What makes them different? Um, why do I care, right? Um, but now that I'm retired and I'm on the other side, I find myself now having more time to get involved uh, so heavily, obviously, with U.S. Naval Institute, but I recently joined Surface Navy Association. Obviously, I'm on the board um, with you guys. Um, I'm a member of the Non-Commissioned Officers Association as well um, because I see, you know, I see potential for these things, um, but the same at the same time, I know all of them are kind of struggling to communicate in this new space. So it, it's it's really that they're they're struggling to communicate, but they're also like struggling to identify, self-identify, right? So like they all kind of bring the same thing to the table. So what does make the NCOA different than FRA? What makes them uh, different than AUSA? What makes them different than uh, CPOA and these other groups? And you know the CPOA it's kind of different because they really just advocate for the Coast Guard, and and they're one of the main organizations that advocates for the Coast Guard out there with the CWA and the CGA, but. You know, you look at like NCOA and FRA, and the difference really is, is that they just have a different board of directors, they have a different membership structure, but they're really advocating for the same thing. So um, you talked about, you know, it's 2014. That's what, like, 30 years in your career, 28 years. Yeah, in your probably career. about 27, 28 year right. point. So, so, but that that that's not the time when really a sailor should be looking at the proceedings. Right. You know, a sailor should be looking at proceedings as an E1, as an E2, you know, their first or second year in the, in the Navy or the Coast Guard because they're really advocating for those guys on a daily basis whenever yep. it comes to talking about issues and problems. And so does the Naval Institute, you know, do they, do they listen to junior sailors? Yep. So, so I'll, f I'll back this up and frame it a bit first. So when you and I first started talking, you know, one thing I think you got to, you know, as I came in, you know, as a member of the Naval Institute, and I'm going to start doing outreach and I'm going to start talking about, you know, what the Naval Institute is, what it does, why you should care, why you should join. Um, even you and I had this conversation, right? And kind of like, hey, um, what makes your, your your organization unique? And what is that, if I'm going to communicate to people, I need to understand and embrace and be able to be passionate about what you're going to bring and what's unique. Um, so as I, expo you know, I got on the Naval Institute side. So I knew I was writing and I knew there was the opportunity to be published and those kind of things. But uh, a conversation you and I had, you know, several months ago, um, I think I was writing a chapter in the, the Navy Petty Officer's Guide about connection power and, the, and why you should care about organizations and associations for junior petty officers. Um, you helped me think through that, and that was based off a conversation you said you had with Admiral Hall, right, about really these things come down to three lines of effort. Um, so each line has typically some kind of advocacy arm, right? So they're, they're advocating for something. So on the Naval Institute side, I don't necessarily advocate or the organization, we don't advocate for anything specifically, but what we do create is we create this forum, right? right. 
We have the form where sailors, Marines, and Coast Guardsmen can advocate for themselves, right? So the form is Proceedings Magazine. Um, so not only are you able to contribute your thoughts and bring up issues, but you should be informed about what's going on. So before you start to advocate, a big part of this is being informed, right? Um, and that doesn't matter um, which organization you're in. So, you know, I, you know, I quote Thomas Jefferson. You know, he said, the biggest threat to democracy is an uninformed electorate, right? So if you just let the system do what it needs to do, um, you trust your elected leaders, uh, you put yourself at risk of bad decision-making and decisions that aren't in the best interest of, of, of the general population. So I'm a big advocate of not just getting writers out there, bringing things forward, but more, let's start with just reading and being informed of what's out there, right? So when you and I talked, um, you know, I talked essentially about, you know, FFSS and going, hey, um, what do you want to specifically inform this group about that's different, right? And I thought a big thing you guys could do or the organization could do is let's inform them about the process, the political process that you've been so connected to, right? And, and when I first met you, um, you know, I was, you know, it was at a Naval Institute event, right? Yes. It was the member event in D.C. Um, you got an award that night. Yeah, I, w I think I, I got the award for a second place in the uh, enlisted essay prize as contest that year. Um, I remember looking around the audience, and I saw you. You were in civilian clothes, but you had a warfare pin on. That was pewter, and I'm like, hey, let me go talk to uh, the sailor over here. Of I also wanted to talk to the only enlisted guy in the room besides me, right? Yep. So it was like, admiral, 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 admiral. And I was like, I'm going to go talk to the master yep. chief. Um, so, you know, that's where our relationship began, and I quickly learned, like, wow, this guy's connected. He's lobbying, right? So there, there was this whole space that I wasn't familiar with. Might have taken you to the, to the congressional club. You did, I? I right? Yep. Um, so, you know, this is a world I'm not familiar with when I'm on active duty. I know of it. I'm on the fringes of it. I know, um, you know, guys like Mick Pond and the service chiefs are testifying in front of the HASC and the SASC. Um, but my general sense was I think most of the families and junior sailors are not too informed on that process, right? And, and they need to understand. So from the advocacy perspective, um, I think that's the value that you're going to bring, right, in the right. organization. And that's, and that's actually the plan, right? So for now one, any time that uh, there's a testimony happening on Capitol Hill and it's relating to shipbuilding, readiness, personnel-related issues, family-related issues – um, housing issues, we're going to go live. We're going to go live. We're going to podcast it. We're going to talk about it. I want to make that so easy for our viewers to understand because if you watch those, they're an hour, they're three hours, sometimes they're five, six hours long. Yep. You know, I've, I've even seen them recess and go into the second day. And, and like, we don't have, not everybody has time for that. Oh, I live for that. That's what I live for. Yep. Like, I, I, I just, I can't get enough of it. I, I'll watch it till three o'clock in the morning. I'm, drive my wife absolutely crazy because yeah. I'm on my phone all the, all day like following these things. So what I want to do is I want to break it down. I want to bring it down and bring it to them in a 30, 30 minute to 60 minute segment so that they're informed of what's happening. I want them to understand like when Mick Pog, Jason Vanderhagen is on Capitol Hill, I want them to understand exactly why he's speaking the way he's speaking. And, and I also want to kind of add to what he's saying, right? So yeah. While uh, the MCPOG and the MCPOND and the CNO and the and the Commandant, they're very, uh, they're you know everything they say has to be approved by, by the president, right? So it also has to go through the White House and you know or the SecDef's office, which ultimately gets their their pass downs from the White House. So so really they can't go on there and say we need better housing, we need this, we need that, we need that, right? So like they have like their talking points they have to stick with. 
So I want to make sure that they're that our viewers are aware of what's really happening here. You know, so like these guys get very discouraged. You know, um, whenever the government shutdown happened. Um, in fact, there were a lot of our viewers that were very angry that um, the commandant was wasn't spending enough time with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, and he was he was kind of focusing on other members of Congress's offices, and there was a reason for that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like he was just uh, avoiding them, or he wasn't like being forceful with them. He was being very forceful, but he was being forceful in a in a different way, and he was getting advocates from the uh, you know from the Democrat side, from the Republican side, to put pressure on. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, and, and ultimately it helped. You know, it's what it's what gave Peter DePazio the opportunity to take our Pay Our Coast Guard Act and actually uh, merge it into the Coast Guard readiness yep. um, uh, legislation. And we talked about that a couple days ago. Uh, you know, whenever we were on live, and so you know that that's really what I want to do. I want to help make this a little bit easier for our mem- our viewers to understand. So I think the Naval Institute Press really brings a uh, an education piece to it. So. Quite often, you see, uh, these guys see me uh, posting and talking about uh, different articles in the Naval Institute, and I, and I really stick with uh, nonpartisan, uh, you know, uh, forms of news sources. So uh, my my go-to is always Politico, The Hill, yep. um, Naval Institute Press, Military Times, because they, while they do have a, lo- you know, some of them they do have a little bit more of a lean left or lean right. For the most part, they stay pretty, you know, pretty center line. Uh, of moderate on each side of the political scale. Uh, but what I like about the Naval Institute is uh, I had uh, Mick Pog uh, Patton and, uh, and Mick Pog Bowen on, and, w- and we started talking about merging into the Navy, how that would work, what it would look like. And, and I'll be honest, like a lot of our viewers are very, very angry, very upset about that. But then the article started coming into, po- into the Naval Institute. So there's several, there's three articles floating around yeah. the Naval Institute right now. They're talking about how it can happen it really addresses the issue of um, allowing the coast guard to continue to do their police efforts whenever it comes to uh, drug and narcotics and uh, and, and immigration and you know it really kind of dispels some of the myths that's out there that that are happening and i like that and and i want to encourage more of our viewers to to write more to it you know i was i was on the phone today i'm on the i'm on the board of directors of the coast guard mutual assistance and i was talking to uh, admiral thomas he was our executive director, and I was like, "Hey, I'm spending the day at the Naval Academy. I'm I'm at the Naval Institute doing some things. I'm getting ready to launch my podcast with uh, Paul Kingsbury." And uh, she said, "She said, oh, you know what? I, I didn't think about this, but we should be writing more about the Coast Guard mutual assistance in the proceedings." And I was like, "Absolutely, that's the best way to inform you know our sailors and our coasties about the importance of that." So they're. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, so that's a second line of effort, right? On these, so there's an advocacy line. Then there's also a. You could bin it several ways. So in some organizations, it's a professional development arm. So maybe I can get a certification related to my technical specialty. You know, if I'm in the Society for Human Resource Managers, right? I can get that certification that you know enhances my career prospects, um, or in- increases my professional influence in some way or professional skills, right? So. On the Naval Institute side, right, this is where I see not just the content that you're digesting, right, so your information power base is going up because you're more informed. You know, a lot of the, uh, not every article in proceedings is about, you know, a a viewpoint or a counter viewpoint. Some of it we have professional notes, right, where you can, you know, suggest how to make your rating or your warfare community better or your service. And there's a leadership section as well, right, so there's things you can offer or learn about about leadership skills. Um, But our press is, 
is really a heavy arm of this educational piece, right? So hundreds of books ranging from history, warfare communities, all the way to the professional development books we talked about. So I think this education piece is important. And then using venues such as podcasts is another extension of that. And then I thought that was key for um, for this organization was, hey, um, what's that unique education you can provide? And I think it's education of the processes, right? So um, I'm still learning it, right? E even though I know of it, there's things that you've been involved in. Um, you know the process. You know the roadblocks. Um, you can keep this audience informed um, and maybe make them even a little prepared, right, based on your experience and the experience of the team. You know, hey, at this point, this may be a time when you want to prepare for a government shutdown, and here's some things you could do in advance, and here's some resources you should be pursuing now. So that's exactly what we just did, right? So um, a couple weeks ago, we came out, and we started following what was going on, and politics looks really grim right now in D.C. Like, I've been a part of politics for about 10 years. I I've been following it ever since I joined the military because it's been important, but I'll be honest, like, with what's going on right now with potential impeachment talks and the White House not wanting to participate – well, guess who gets caught in the crosshairs? It's it's going to be the budget, and guess what happens if appropriations aren't passed? We're gonna we're gonna be you know stuck down the road wondering what's happening, right? And so, who's the first people that get hit? Department of Homeland Security. What does that affect? The United States Coast Guard. So, what have we already seen twice in our U.S. history? We've not paid our military. Yep. You know, right after the Civil War, during the Indian uh, issues that we were having with immigration, we didn't pay the United States Army for almost a year. There were officers that were putting their children up for adoption because an officer couldn't take care of their child, couldn't provide for their family. Um, and then in 2019, we see in the United States Coast Guard go without a paycheck for the second time in our nation's history. And that's just uh, that's just a reality now. And, and why did it happen? For no other reason than political difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. And so what did we start seeing like just a couple weeks ago before the CR was passed? strife between the, the the republicans and the democrats the white house and the and the speaker of the house uh, you know not going to be able to come to an agreement all of a sudden now the president's saying he's not going to sign legislation so immediately we knew that we needed to start informing our members like hey you need to be prepared because guess what come november i believe i don't have the date on top of my head but november 18th you're not gonna have a paycheck anymore yep. so that means december 1st paycheck is not guaranteed to our members of the military right now because we don't have a past appropriations. Now, we're hoping to see one. This week's been slow. There's recess going on. A lot of members are back in their district trying to get information from their constituents on how they feel about uh, impeachment. Not a lot of Democrats are, are willing to jump on the bandwagon yet because of the fact that they live in uh, heavily uh, heavy Republican areas and it could cost them an election. So we are left wondering what's going to happen over the next few weeks. So we wanted to start everyone kind of early, and that's kind of why we started talking. We passed the CR. We started the uh, we started the uh, the scale for how we feel about Congress. So right now, our scale is like on a six because we don't know where it's at. Um, so I think that was the frowny face with a little bit of sweat coming down the down the thing. It's a, they're all bald. I don't know if you noticed. Like I'm I bald. Know. You're bald. Hey, that's okay. We brought a bald. You know, we have a it's bald smiley face. It is right. Yep. But uh, so that that's kind of where we're going with that. So we want to make sure that the, that you're well informed of uh, the things that are happening. Yep. And it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just pay, right? These gets, you know, when you, you when you know things you know, I would want you to consider talking about, right? Um, 
PPBE process, right? Planning, programming, budgeting, ex execution, and uh, how that's shepherded through, you know, from where a service proposes a budget all the way up through DOD into appropriations, right? Because um, that resourcing doesn't just affect paychecks. Um, that resourcing affects deployment schedules, shipyard periods, right? And all that introduces uncertainty into families, right? Um, that's how childcare, you know, gets can get funded or not funded. That there's a range of issues beyond just your paycheck that are related to that budget. Um, and once again, because you have time to focus on it, um, we rely on people like you to be informed and then come inform us on like, hey, here's what this means. This is something you want to pay attention to. Or maybe you drop an article. Um, maybe you notify them, hey, this this subcommittee is testifying right now, or MCPON or MCPOG or someone's going to be testifying in front of the HASC or SAS, you may want to sit in and listen to that or communicate their testimony. You know, there's a lot of things, once again, to inform your public. Absolutely. You know, and we're going to we're going to do that the best we can. We're going to we're going to follow all these things. We're going to come forth. The other thing we're going to do is we're also going to follow the um, presidential campaigns, you know, going forward. So uh, once all the presidential campaigns have like finalized their running for office, which I believe like they have to do that, like uh, around the first week of December. Uh, to all the state um, uh, secretary of state's offices, uh, we're going to start following them. We're going to start bringing you know, up-to-date information about what they're saying, what they're talking about, how their uh, potential of becoming the president would affect you know, our service members. We want them to be aware of um, you know, what their policies are. So we're going to look into that. We're going to read, uh, get on their web pages. We're going to reach out to their campaigns, get some answers. We're going to ask these guys for some questions. Yep. We're going to try to pose some questions to the campaigns. We're going to talk to them, too. Because this is not just about those serving now. These are about the ones that want to fill that spot. They want to be your boss, right? And they want to be in charge of what it is that we're doing out here. And so we want to bring that to them as well. Um, we also want to – we do want to look at readiness. You know, during the government shutdown, it didn't just affect pay. It, it, it affected, you know, the mission offset of what the uh, Coast Guard was doing at the time. You know, there were – there were, you know, we were doing rescue missions still. We were uh, doing uh, drug narcotics uh, arrests still. Uh, we were monitoring the fisheries. Um, there are a lot of science that's happening in the United States Coast Guard. They're they're monitoring a lot of uh, a lot of different changes within the uh, the fishing uh, the fishing industry and a lot of different changes with how that's affecting um, you know different different. Uh, bacteria and stuff that's coming in the water that we're dealing with and so it's kind of neat you know what the yeah. coast guard's doing they have a really big mission and it's pretty it's been pretty interesting you know we're really enjoying it so uh, we're going to talk a lot about that um you know how how does one become more involved in the navy institute paul so as they're yep. as they're you know going through their career how would how does their first contact happen what happens yeah so i would offer the first thing you know in a digital age it's uh it's much easier now to become aware right so um, the first thing I'm going to direct you to is, hey, come on our website and take a look, right, www.usni.org. Um, that'll bring you to our landing page, and then you can explore, like, these things I've talked about. So you're going to see tabs at the top. You're going to see our mission, what we're about. You're going to see proceedings. You're going to see some of the articles. Some of that content is open, yep. right? Some of it's what we call behind the, the firewall, right, because, um, you know, some of that's got a cost, right? We have bills to pay, and we want members. So what does that cost? What does it cost? Our sailors. Yep. Are so if you want the one I would recommend, thirty nine ninety nine is a digital membership, right? So you get all the access to all the digital content online, which a lot of you know is really what people consume, right? So either on your mobile device or on the website. Um, 
that gets you access to archives, right? I showed you today. We walked through the actual oh, wow. physical archive, but we yeah. digitized <laughs> all that content. So maybe younger sailors aren't into that, but if I'm looking at students uh, or young officers, right? So although I primarily, you know, I, I was hired to, you know, penetrate and increase awareness in the enlisted um, cadre and, and market, I still, you know, hey, young officers are still, you know, a, a target of what I'm talking about. So those N Naval Academy students and ROTC students and others, hey, we've got archives that can support research papers and things you're doing like that. So you get access to that content as well. You get discounts up to 40% on all those professional books we offer. Um, you get special invitations to conferences and events like the ones we attended as well. And then ultimately that, that membership supports the forum, right? right. So um, you support this capability for, it takes a lot to produce a magazine. Right, I mean, oh and yeah. we do 12 editions a year. We have naval history. Um, it takes it takes money to make that happen. So you support, even if you're not a writer yourself, right? Not everyone's going to be a writer like we talked about. I am not a but writer. But I want you to, you know, your membership contributes to supporting the forum for those who do dare to write and bring those issues forward, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is, okay, now let's go to social media. So we have a Facebook page. We're on LinkedIn, we have Instagram, YouTube channel, um, Twitter. So I would say whatever your uh, social media channel of choice is, just f find U.S. Naval Institute and follow us. And, and you're we'll share all that. Yes. We'll share all that. Yep. Okay. We'll and share uh, all that for everyone. There's a lot of content that comes out, you know what I mean, relatively. And then obviously USNI News, right, we push out a lot of articles as well. So that's where I would tell you to start, right, if you want to interest uh, information on the U.S. Naval Institute. You're going to see all the blogs we talk about, venues such as this. You know, the other thing that they really publish also that's, in, that's important to our, our viewers and our members is all the reports that go to Congress from our services are published through you yep. guys. You know, like it goes through the official channels and it's sent from like Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security to the Office of Congressional Bus Budget Office or to the different committees. But like once it's made public, you guys share that. You guys yep. republish that and repost it. And uh, it's almost easier to read it on your page than to try to go through the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, entries every day in the, in the congressional record. So you guys do publish the congressional record, and it's, it's very easy for, for you guys to, to read that. And they talk about you know, Coast Guard readiness, Navy readiness. Um, currently, I just seen that uh, you know, they talked about the um, report from the, the uh, Congressional Budget Office that talks about how, um, how close is the Navy's uh, 2020 vision actually to being uh, where they say it needs to be funded to, yep. you know, and uh, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It just came out today, but I'm, uh, I'm going to dig into that tomorrow and then hopefully I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it in a couple of days, but uh, you know, great information that's coming out from you guys. Um, you have the podcast over there. We um, do the proceedings talk. podcast. So that's hosted uh, usually one or two episodes a week. Uh, you can follow us, the U S Naval Institute podcast or proceedings podcast. Uh, it's on SoundCloud. But uh, once again, if you sign up to be a member, you know, we have a newsletter that comes out. You'll be on an email distro, right? So all that content will be fed to you. I share that on my social media site. So we just did one today. Today is the 146th birthday of the U.S. Naval Institute. Happy birthday. October 9th, uh, 1873. Can I steal your line from today? And sure. So you don't look a day over 149. I know. No, I said 150, right? It's my co-host. But, um, but yeah, all great content that comes out. Um, but I'm always looking for new members. So, like I said, a digital membership. If you're into the digital, $39.99 is the best uh, thing, and then $59.99 for a print membership. So that gets you everything you get with the digital. But you get the if you're into the print magazine, yeah. 
now you're going to get proceedings sent right to you. Um, I'm a digital member because I have access to you know all the all, all the copies of proceedings, and then then uh, and then we have life memberships like you. So you know. So I'll flip it to you. Why yeah, so why you did you that. join as a life member so and what got you into I the Naval Institute? Well, let me tell you right now, I did not join as a life member. <laughs> no, I mean, no, what I got you yeah, so, into it initially? So I joined. So um, so I think originally what it is is uh, I started following proceedings uh, when I got involved in con- congressional-related issues. Um, I seen that uh, there was something out there uh, that uh, helped inform me whenever I was going to Congress. I actually used proceedings on several occasions when I would lobby members of, uh, of Congress and I would say, um, you know, here's how relevant this issue is. And I would show them uh, an article from the proceedings magazine and we would talk about that. But, um, you know, I originally, I joined as a, as a, um, digital member in 2000 and I believe 11 or 12, I was actually in college. I was doing some writing. I needed to do some research and, uh, I was actually writing about suicide in the military. And so I wanted to, uh, See if there was anything in the in the proceedings in the Naval Institute. I, I did a, a search. I found the Navy Library. There wasn't a lot of information. In the Navy Library there wasn't a lot of information. In the Navy History and Heritage Command. Um, I couldn't get into the any of the other reports, and so I went to the proceedings and I found it. And I said, "Wow, this looks pretty interesting." I, a little bit. I like it a little bit better than reading the Military Times and Stars and Stripes. So, so I went ahead, joined, gave them my. Uh, I believe it was not thirty nine dollars at the time. I believe I was paying about twenty five bucks uh, for a digital. I used it to write a couple papers in college and then um, let my membership lapse. Didn't think anything about it. And then about 2014, moved to D.C., started doing lobbying, needed uh, needed references. So um, remembered that that was there, remembered that uh, they were really talking about up-to-date topics that I needed, um, talking about some past-dated you know, issues. So so I joined. I, I, joined, a, I joined as, a, um, as a, someone that wanted to receive the magazine. Um, and then I actually joined another organization called the Naval Order of the United States because I'm really under history. You know, wanted my degrees in history. I wanted to wanted to learn more about it. I really enjoyed reading the articles about Navy history. So you guys run the Navy History Magazine as well. So on top of getting the paper uh, copy, I also got that uh, as well, and I paid additional uh, membership. I think it was like, yep. I think if you're a member, you get like a discount for, for getting that one. So I got both magazines. I was really enjoying it. And then, uh, like all other organizations, uh, you get like your dues card in the mail, and uh, you get tired of getting stuff like that all the time. You're reminded about being paid, and so I have a litmus test, and I say, why should I pay my life membership to you? It's a lot of money to join the life membership of the Naval Institute. Yes. I believe it's, I think I paid fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. I believe it's, it's about thirteen right fifty nine now. Yeah. They changed the price a week after I paid for it, so yes, thanks for I keep giving him a keep, keep giving him a hard time about that. Um, so I, I I have a litmus test, and I say, why should I pay for a life membership? It's so much money, and so I look and I say, what are they provided for me? What are they doing for me? What is different about them that makes them, uh, you know, unique and, uh, and and not like any of the other organizations? And so I'm actually a member, a life member of a few organizations. Surface Navy Association being one, Aviation Bosun's Mate Association being another, American Legion, VFW, uh, and Vets. And so those are my five. That's Those are my five. And then I was like, I really like getting the proceedings. I really enjoy this. I really like being informed. I, I, you know, there was, there's just so many things that I can do. I like going back and reading, you know, articles written by Admiral uh, Nimitz whenever he was an ensign reading. You know, there was one article by my hero, Bull Halsey, wrote when he was a lieutenant commander. 
and uh, I read it every once in a while. I like to go back and read it. Um, and I, I think it's neat to see how our naval history, our, our naval leaders changed over, you know, over the course of their careers. And so uh, I decided that uh, it was time to do the dive, you know, stop paying dues. You know, I'm 35 years old at the time, 36 now. And I said, I'm paying $40 a year for this uh, membership. Uh, by the time I'm, uh, I believe I was like 75, I would have paid for my life membership anyway. And I said, let's just bite the bullet. Let's yep. do it. Plus, you get a really nice plaque. You got this nice T-shirt. I know, and you love those emblematics. I, I know love that. the emblematics, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And I got a letter from Pete, uh, yep. you know, Vice Admiral Pete Daly, who was kind of like um, a mentor of mine to wanting to uh, start speaking out uh, because of issues that were I was experiencing in the Navy. You know, I was in the middle of Afghanistan. Uh, I had just experienced suicide in my unit uh, from Iraq that I had just left the deployment from. And um, this vice admiral come out, and he was just—he was just a nice guy, you know. He had lunch with us and sat down with us, and he didn't really—he didn't really care that uh, we were an E five or an E four or a chief petty officer or anything, or he didn't really care. He was vice admiral. He, he wanted us to talk to him straight and tell him how it was, and he really wanted to dig deep into why people were committing suicide out of the units that we were serving in in that specific job, and. Um, he went back and he reported to the CNO. And so whenever I got a chance to see him again, I said, hey, you won't remember me. And he goes, yeah, I had lunch with you in Afghanistan. And that was like eight years yep. you know, prior. And like I had a beard at that point. And he's like, he remembered me. He That's said, awesome. Yeah, he he's said, a great you know, guy. When he looked me in the eyes, he goes, you're, yeah, you're a petty officer. You were in yep. Afghanistan. You, you met with us. And so I, I decided I, I needed to go and pay it. So I did, and I paid it. And so I would advise anyone that's watching this you know, to think about it, you know, why should you become a life member of anything, you know, and, and you should really make your own litmus test of what is it that's out there that you, um, you know, that they're doing for you. I, I did misspeak. I said five, six. I did join the FRA as a life member okay, last gotcha. year. And I uh, definitely had to uh, definitely need to give a plug out to them because my good friend uh, Chris Walensky is the first E5, Navy E5, to take command of a major organization. Yep. And I'm so proud of him for doing that. That's you know, awesome. Uh, Force Master Chief Tom Snee held the position for a very long time, and he's a great guy, and I wish him uh, the best of luck in retirement. And I'm just so proud of Chris. You know, um, There's not a lot of us junior enlisted guys that leave the military and try to go on yep. to uh, do other things. So like Chris really did. Yeah, I think that's an important point. Um, you know, a lot of these organizations, frankly, traditionally have been viewed as officer organizations, and they really yes. were, right? They were they were very, uh, when you look at uh, what we would call professional class, right? Um, they're very into networks and professional networks and how that puts you at a professional advantage. Uh, historically, not wrong, right, or indifferent, um, your enlisted was more blue-collar leaning, right? Yes. And it was kind of like not much time or interested, um, maybe not uh, in that intellectual space. But these days... Um, you can't argue that you know we are not a more educated, influential, informed, capable enlisted force. Well, if you need if you need any further evidence of that happening, yep. look to the Navy because what did they just hire? Chief Education Officer. Yep. And what is the goal? He wants a more educated, professional organization. Right? Absolutely. He wants his enlisted sailors as educated as his officers. Yep. So um, that's the first thing is like, hey, stop thinking that this is officer stuff. No, this is our stuff, right? These are all avenues of advocacy, education, connection, power, being informed to your profession. Um, and that's a part of this, right? Being a professional 
means you care and you're invested in the organization. So I think there's a lot of it there. I think but membership. A lot, these, a lot of these organizations, they they need to go a little bit further. Yep. They're opening up their membership. They yep. really want us to join. They really push for us to join. But when I go look at their board of directors and I see all admirals and I don't really see any enlisted guys there, yep. it doesn't really give me the warm and fuzzy that they really want me around. Yep. And we'll right. uh, and that's and, and by the way, Paul's talking right now, but this is an article we're writing. Yeah, we're gonna. This is currently a co-authored yeah. article that you and yeah. I are writing about. So it's just something to write about, right? On both sides, right? There's a. Uh, it is what it is. So you know we're in this new space. So I think it's time to tee this up a bit and go, hey, you know, let's talk about it. if you want more people. You know, like I'll tell you that. Um, Pete Daly has done a great job in our strategic plan, right? He, that is line objective. One of our objectives is to broaden our reach, right? To get into these new uh, spaces and invite new people in. That's a reason why I'm hired on. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, you know, you can't just can't go, oh, that's officer stuff, or hey, that's not me, or you know, I'm just this or that. I'm not into that. Um, you know, you before you, they had they that. had uh, Vince Patton, you know, McPog yep. Patton on their board of directors. But I think when they hired you, it like gave me that. It gave me that feeling like they mean it. Yep, and uh, I get that it. feedback a lot, right? Is yeah. Several times I've been told, hey, um, I brought an energy and awareness that, um, you know, we feel like this is our place too. And that's those are the effects I want, right? So um, if that's happening, that's great. I'll continue to socialize that and the value the organization brings. And it's different depending on where you are in your career. So if you're a young, you know, officer, young naval professional where you're just focused on, man, I got to get my quals and all that stuff done. Maybe, you know, our guides are what helps you, right? Those kind of newly, newly commissioned officer's guide or the watch officer's guide or the petty officer's guide or content in the Blue Jackets manual. That's really the value add. But when I go to the senior listed academies and I talk, now I'm talking about, hey, check out this space where you can influence policy and process and culture, right? And I dare them to use the writing skills they've learned that the Navy's now invested in in the senior enlisted academy. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to do too much three-part communication writing in, in your day-to-day -day job, but this in the form of the Naval Institute, yeah, you can use those skills and you can bring a lot of those issues you're seeing at the deck plate, whether it's with sailors, with your families, or whatever, you can bring that and make that right. valid. So let's let's start wrapping this up here. So, you know, one, la one last thing that I really enjoy about the Naval Institute and, uh, and what you do is you also help keep the sailors informed that, were, that are veterans, right? So a lot of sailors, they do their four years, they get out, they do their 12, they get out. You know, we're seeing that. And so uh, why are they leaving? Well, a lot of times they're leaving because they're getting away from bad leaders. They're getting away from a bad situation that they experienced in the military. And they j or they just want to go off and they want to try something new, and, and they're going to be more successful at it. And so wh why should they turn in these proceedings? And I think it's a good way for them to keep, keep informed of the yeah. things that are happening, right? So proceedings isn't just about the negativity right so like we don't we're not you guys aren't just looking for you know those bad stories of how do we fix this how do we fix that there's a lot of really good things that you guys yep. cover there's a lot of things that you guys do for people and so veterans can really stay informed with the service that they love yep and that's that third line of effort right that the or organizations have there's a a networking community piece and then there's a being informed of what's going on in that professional organization right. so yes whether you do 40, 20 years, first of all, thanks for your service, because that's most—that's more than most of the population is doing or right. qualified to even get a chance to do. Um, but yeah, um, we've all been there, right? Young sailor, right? not digging the Navy, not happy about it. But yep. you know, when you get out or uh, over time, 
you really look back fondly at those relationships and kind of I think you're always connected and you're always concerned about what's going on in the Navy. Um, so, yes, we do a lot on naval history. We do a lot of updates on warfare communities, right? We got people writing across everything. So if you want to stay informed and connected to the Navy, once again, organizations such as the Naval Institute are a way to do that. Absolutely. So um, I really appreciate everybody being here and like watching this, and, and I'm looking forward to launching this on our new podcast on Apple and Google and uh, SoundCloud and the other area. There's, a, I think there's like 12 different areas where you can you can view the podcast going forward, but. You know, Paul, I really appreciate you and everything that you're doing. Um, I'm looking forward to working with you more. You know, it's it's been a long it's 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 been a lot. You know, we've done a lot in one year, um, and so we're you know we're coming up on our one year anniversary where you know we we really have to like look at what it is we've done. And so I want to point out like a couple things. You know, um, just last week the Supreme Court opened up for their new session, and uh, back in April they actually ruled in favor of an amicus brief that we wrote. Um, to support a uh, piece of legislation. We're so proud of that. Um, and so what that allows is um, several billion more dollars to be put into the Asbestos Trust for our, um, our, our sea service veterans who were exposed to asbestos during a uh, you know, certain time frame there in the military. So I'm pretty excited that, we, that we've done that. You know, We've also written another amicus brief. Um, Haley Smith, who's on our board of directors, and her father, Jeff Smith. Haley's in law school now in South Carolina. Jeff is a lawyer for uh, Lincoln Financial. And for, once again, for the uninformed, what is this amicus brief? Right. So the amicus brief is basically uh, supporting um, documentation for a, uh, a, a court case that's being heard by the, uh, by the upper courts. So our, our first one, you know, we, we, we swung for the fences and we went straight to the Supreme Court with it. Gotcha. Right. So we're not as excited about the other one because it's just going to a circuit court. Yes. <laughs> Which is like one step above being in uh, just a regular courtroom that uh, your normal civilian will be in, but uh, we're really proud of it. Um, and so, what it does is it just helps strengthen the position of the lawyer and uh, in, in in advocating for okay. whatever their client is. Yep. And so, for us to write it, you know, be a part of an amicus brief that was supporting uh, the Debray family uh, who was exposed to uh, asbestos. Um, and for the Supreme Court to rule in favor. And there was only three Supreme Court justices that dissented, that didn't agree with our position on it. So um, big victory, big victory for C-Service Family Foundation and the other organizations that signed on to that. So we're really proud of it. Um, the other one is actually uh, uh, dealing with the uh, maritime industry. We don't think it's going to go anywhere, but we're still going to track it. We'll see what happens. We don't know if it's actually going to be heard. Um, so uh, circuit court doesn't have to hear everything, um, so they'll decide, but we don't think it's going to get heard. We think that this case that the Supreme Court ruled on that we that we originally wrote is actually going to take precedence of it, and then it'll just kind of disappear. But a lot of work goes behind those. Several, I think, took Haley about 40 hours to work on that. Um, Brett and I did a lot of outreach. Uh, we're working with the mentor program uh, over at the Coast Guard uh, through uh, Brent, uh, ch uh, Senior Chief Brent Simonetti. Uh, Mark Quarter is kind of heading up our efforts on it. So the mentoring program is over at the uh, the Coast Guard. They're doing it to do uh, mentorship. Uh, um, they're really working on a lot of diversity issues within the Coast Guard with that. Um, good friend of mine, probably yours too, you know, uh, Rear Admiral St. Harris. It's kind of like the uh, he's like the godfather of that. He's like he's like running it up. I think I think like his organization actually has like several thousand people signed up for his. 
his group, but uh, the Naval, uh, the, the National Naval Officers Association is definitely a group that we're going to talk about. They're very important that, that, w- that we talk to them guys as well. So, so I appreciate um, everyone and, uh, and all of your support over the last year. You know, the other thing we dealt with, like coming right out of the shoot, was government shutdown and the first time we, someone had to go advocate for the Coast Guard. So we had all these plans in place to launch a podcast in January, to do this, to do that. And we had to stop everything. Brett and I had to stop everything we were doing and focus directly on what we were going to do to help the Coast Guard get paid. And so we did that, and then we moved on, and then life happened, and we had to deal with, you know, we had to take our normal time off. We had, we had to deal with that, too. So so it's good that we're finally getting to this point. We're getting to the stage. We're really excited about it. I think that it's going to do well. I think we're excited to have so many viewers. Looks like a lot of people uh, have been viewing with us and joining us today. So it's going to be fun. So. Uh, I'm going to go up to the screen. We'll see if there's any questions. I think it, lo- it just looks like everybody saying hi and how you doing. Uh, quick update on the government shutdown, you know, countdown. Things are still kind of in a wishy-washy space. We're not really sure where they're at right now. Uh, Congress has been gone for a week, so we'll report back next week uh, whenever they get back into session and see what things are looking like. As far as we were concerned, all the appropriations issues look like they were going to come down and be approved no problem by the Senate. We're not sure where the president sits on wanting to sign appropriations bills right now because of everything that's happening. Um, so once we get a better feel for that, we'll, we'll do it. Um, I was actually golfing with the deputy chief of staff of the VA earlier. He's, uh, he's thinking that um, when it comes to probes, it's not going to be a problem. They're, they're kind of going to do their thing. I kind of agree with him. So we'll, we'll keep you informed. We'll go live here in a couple of days, and we'll talk more about that. Um, going to have more guests on uh, to talk about their organizations, to talk about what they're doing. But then again, you know, um, this is the daily gouge. Does it mean we're going to go live daily? Does it mean we're going to have a show daily? Probably not. Probably not. But whenever we do go live, it will be uh, up-to-date information. Now, these events, with like we have today with Paul, they will be planned out. We'll let you know a couple weeks in advance. Hey, we're going to meet with this organization or that organization. We'll do some marketing going forward with that. Uh, this is we're still in our test phase, so we kind of use Paul to uh, do our test phase. Well, thank you again for for doing this, and uh, I'll let you you know you, anything you want to tell these guys going out. No, just once again, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for the great work you're doing. Um, and like I said, um, anyone there, what find that organization or association that's for you, right? I'm going to advocate for the Naval Institute and what it brings. That's not for everyone. Maybe it's the Surface Navy Association. Maybe it's the FRA. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of them, but be involved, right? That's what it comes down to. And then, like I tell everyone, be involved, and I dare you to make a difference. Dare to make a difference. And uh, if you guys don't know, we'll we'll share all the information for the Naval Institute on our page. Paul, you got a new web page coming out. We're gonna we'll launch it for you. We'll we'll make a big deal about it. We'll show everybody your web page. And uh, yeah, hey guys, I just. I really appreciate everything you do. You know, I can't do this without your support. And so uh, thanks a lot, guys. And we'll see you about the fleet.